Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. I tell you what, you guys brave. The weather coming out. It's good news. Um, so today we're going to talk about joy. And um, I just want to um, just welcome the Holy Spirit and let's just ask him to prepare our hearts. And um, I feel like I'm going a little rogue off my plan this morning, so I'm asking for grace. Got it. All right. So, Father, I just thank you so much for this glorious day. Um, in your presence is a fullness of joy. And um, you are so incredibly amazing and good. And we just want to give you praise and we want to give you glory and we want to give you honor. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We acknowledge you. We ask that you would breathe on this word and it would bring life and transformation. Lord, sometimes we can become so familiar um, with things we've heard before, but we want you to break through that and we want you to open our eyes to see things that we've not seen before. And Lord, even if this doesn't apply to us today, may it be a deposit for another day. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I'm just going to read a little bit about the Christmas story and we're going to start there. Um, because I want you to begin to see a pattern. Luke 1, 26, so you can get your Bible out if you'd like. And um, I'm first going to talk about when Gabriel encountered Mary. In the sixth month, this is Luke 1, 26. Oh, can I pause for just a minute before we get going? Would that be okay? I just, y'all with me? Because a thought just came and I'll forget it. And I, I don't want to forget it. So we were going to do something really special today, but um, what we were going to do can't happen because the people we wanted to honor aren't here, okay? So, which didn't surprise me, but I feel like this is kind of like God's design so that um, we can be ready when it comes. But, you know, each month for, I don't know, past four or five months, we've been doing this Carabiner Award, and... Um, a couple of weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was kind of taking a shower and getting ready, and the Lord began to speak to my heart about the, the um, generals in this house and those that um, I'd say are 85, 90 up. We have, and there were seven of them, he said specifically, I, I want you to honor. And um, many of you don't know, but many of them have been um, laying um, foundation sewing in from seasons past that we can step into where we are. And um, so we're going to do that, Lord willing, if they're here next week. And would you just, when, when this time comes, can we just jump to our feet and shout out to them in their lives? Because I, I think the thing, one thing I've noticed, like I, I approached one of them about lighting the Advent candle and they're like, oh, I don't think I can do that. I'm, I'm so shaky. And um, another one, when we had the United Service, I'd ask, you know, would you be willing to hold the communion plate? And they're like, oh, I don't think I can do that. And so I think that it can be, I would imagine, challenging. Have you ever been, a, I mean, all of us, has there ever been something you've been able to do that you can't do for a season? That's challenging. So anyway, just a shout out. Okay, pause. And we're going back to the word. Sorry. Just wanted to get in that. Um, okay, so back to... Sixth month, angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee 
called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Now, just some thoughts that have been popping into my mind as I've been reading this recently. First of all, the angel comes in and he says, rejoice, highly favored one. Like who wouldn't want an angel to pop up and go, rejoice, highly favored one, right? And yet when you stop and you think about the news that she received, this is gonna change her world. And it is of great joy, but there's going to be great cost. She's engaged to a man. I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, that's going to be a lot to swallow. And yet, you know, and I don't know about you, I like to like think through things, process things, you know, like try to wrap my yes really to be a yes. And she was saying, let it be to me according to your word. Okay, let's flip over to Matthew, or actually back to Matthew. We're going to go back and forth between these two gospels. So if you want to keep your finger on Luke, you can. But go to Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. And you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sin. Thank you, Lord. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin will be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, 
did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and he did not know her till she had brought forth firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Keeps going in and out. Hey. Okay. So, once again, angel shows up, find it interesting. Don't be afraid. And now Joseph, you know, he, he it says he was a just man, and yet he was, he was struggling, and he didn't want to um, shame her or make her a public spectacle, but he was trying to figure out, how do I distance myself from this hard place? And yet when the, the angel came, spoke to him, he said, hey, this is the promise of David. Now, we don't have time to go in it, but just spend some time. Um, I think it's around for Samuel, no, probably Second Samuel. It is in Second Samuel, where David, God gives David a promise about the kingdom that will never end through the line of David. So there's a lot of prophecy that's being established in this time. Okay, so go back to Luke. We're going to be at Luke 2. And it came to pass in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world be registered. The census first took place while um, Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who's with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So now, you know, we can read all this in a matter of a few minutes, and, you know, months have gone by, like nine months, to be more precise. And, you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself in a situation like, well, God, why is this happening? Like, this seems to be a pretty, you know, geez, like, I mean, our natural thinking could be something like, well, it's one thing to have to go through all the talk of the town, but now we have to travel, and here we are, and now the baby's coming, and there's no place for the baby except for a stable. You know, they had, they had a choice. I don't know. I, just, I was just struck with these thoughts as I was rereading this. Now, the shepherds, verse 8, were in the same country, shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I give you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. Good tidings, great joy to be for all people. They are born to you this day in the city of David, is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will be find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And so when the angels had gone away from 
from them back into heaven, the shepherds looked at each other and said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they came with haste, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And when they heard it, all the people that heard it, they marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. Mary kept all these things, pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. I want to submit to you to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This, anybody ever study catechism? We, yeah, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I don't know about you, but I want to live in such a way, and I, and I don't have this all the time, but I want to live in such a way that I am cultivating joy in my life, that my life is glorifying him no matter what the circumstances are, and that I'm finding a way to enjoy him in that moment. And I think that, you know, I re- it's funny, I, I can't remember, um, I can remember where, what exactly, high school, youth group, and I remember hearing a message about the difference between joy and happiness. And I don't remember much about it except for happiness was tied into circumstances and joy was talking, tied into the Lord and his faithfulness and his goodness. So I want to look just a little bit at this idea of joy. I looked up in the um, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, joy, and this is what it means. The passion or emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good. That excitement uh, by the acquisition or expectation of good, so hope, pleasurable feelings that is caused by success, good fortune, gratification of desire of some characteristic. Joy is the delight of mind from consideration of the present or assured approaching possession of good. Now, if we, which we do know that we have a God who is always good, even in the moment of a circumstance may not seem good, we can have hope that good is coming. Right? So we always have a reason for joy. You know, um, it's kind of a little side tangent thing, but I, I do love the snow. And so I was super excited. And I have in my mind what a snow day is supposed to be. And um, there are certain things that just happen. I don't know. I get this thing of, oh, I should bake bread. <laughs> I never got to it because of electricity went out. But I did get the chili made. <laughs> and, um, and I got it right to the, the boiling pot point, and the electricity went out. It was like 2 o'clock. And so I'm like, call them right away. You know, hey, you're the first people that let us know your electricity's out. Not a problem. It's 2 o'clock. Early in the day, we're good. And um, we have a wood stove downstairs, and we have some um, kerosene um, lanterns. And, you know, now I have 
soup that was at a boiling point that I just left on the stove. And um, and the house is quiet, and it's good. Like, I really love snow. So Sam comes home. It's dark. I mean, really, by now, you know, I don't know whatever time he came home. But it's dark. And so um, we put the, the soup on top of the wood stove, and we light the, the um, kerosene lamps. And Sam's like, oh, it's kind of like Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> It was, and for the moment it was, except for that was not my day-to-day reality. It was just a little sweet moment. You know, we were able to pull out our cards and play card, play drummy. He won, I won. Can't remember. No, I think it was me. <laughs> and then it was like, you know, I don't know, 30, 9 o'clock. It's really dark. We're like, well, now what? I guess we'll try to figure out. <laughs> oh, you know, by the the fire is so cozy, and I'm thinking by the time I get up and it's going to be cold up there, I'm going to be so awake. Anyway, but I just begin to think, God, there's so much to be thankful for in my life. He asked me, he's like, do you think you would have liked to live back then? There was a time where I really thought that that would be great. That was before I had children, <laughs> before I did laundry besides myself. I mean, that was hard living life. And we have so many modern conveniences, we don't even think about. The fact that we had cars to get in and drive this morning. The fact that we had gas to put in the cars. The fact that there are people here that, that know us, and when we're not here, they, they follow up and call, how are you doing? We have so much to be thankful for. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit. So, there, so we'll just talk a little bit about how do we cultivate a life of joy? First of all, I want to say Jesus came that we would have what? Abundant life. I believe there's a place. I remember it's probably been a decade ago. I was preparing for a women's um, message, and, and the Lord said, I want you to talk on abundant life. I'm like, great. So I'm ready to get my Bible and look up all the scriptures about the blessings that are going to come of God. You know, because I'm like, yes, abundant life. Who doesn't want to hear about abundant life? You know? And he said, I'm going to give you a verse. The enemy comes in to rob, steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have life and life more abundant. That's all he gave me all week. And here I'm supposed to go to this group of women and speak for 30 minutes and have one verse. Every time I get ready to, to look at it, he's like, trust me, abundant life, John 10, 10. Okay? So the morning of, um, I'm in my room having quite time and I'm praying and Going, okay, we're going to talk about abundant life. I have one verse. And he's like, do you want to know where this is going? Yeah, that would be helpful. <laughs> he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you what you're going to read, but I don't want you to read it until you get there. Okay? He said, you're going to read Acts 16. Don't even look it up. Don't, but you're going to read Acts 16, and I'm going to have you talk about abundant life. Okay? So I get there. And we have time of worship. And, and um, you know, obedience to the word of the Lord is important to me. So there would have been a time that I'd been like, let me just have a sneak peek. If I had had a sneak peek, I'd have left. <laughs> so um, I tell them, we're going to talk about abundant life. And he says, Acts 16. And I open it up. And it is actually when Paul and Silas are being beaten and thrown into jail. And he began to speak to me about how in this abundant life he gives, sometimes we are, they were just doing kingdom business. 
They weren't, they, they were going about, um, you know, well, you can read it on your own time, but they were, they were doing kingdom business, and it ends up in jail, and they could have gotten really offended or angry, kept their mind on their circumstances. You know, they were, Samuel referred to it, they were beaten with rods. I'm sure that was painful. They're chained, and they're in this prison cell, and they could have responded, God, why did you let this happen? I don't understand. Or they could do what they did. We're going to praise God. And maybe it wasn't this, maybe it was like, okay, you're good. Your mercy never ends. You're good. I don't understand this. But your mercy never ends. You're good. You're good. And your love endures. And they begin to sing in the middle of that prison cell. And it shifted the atmosphere. They came into a place of praise. So Jesus came for us to have abundant life. Second thing I want to highlight is joy is a big part of the kingdom. You guys can go ahead and laugh out loud about it. <laughs> You'll feel better? Okay, so <laughs> righteousness. In, in Romans it says that um, the kingdom is that of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy, I think joy is a big part of the kingdom. All right. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit is joy. All right. We can receive joy. Romans 15, 13, Paul says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been in a place where you just feel like, I can't seem to tap into joy? Well, God of hope, fill me with joy and peace, that I can abound in hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. The other thing is we can choose joy, putting it into action. Psalm 511, if you would flip back to that. Let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous, and with favor you surround him as a shield. You know, we talked about a couple uh, months ago in Habakkuk, how though the fig tree fails to blossom, and though there's no fruit on the vine, yet I will praise and I will give joy to you, O Lord. So let's talk a little bit about joy and pain, because I don't know about you, but my life seems to have both of those things, a lot of times, at the same time. Have been, I feel, yeah, okay. So on, I'm just going to give you an example. On the day of um, the ordination, I had, um, it was incredible, one, it was just such an honor. I, 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 um, I had um, 
some lifelong friends come up and join. They were here. And um, this whole day, I mean, it's like the highs of the highs. And then we go to um, an elders meeting that evening. And we're walking in, and I get a phone call from my daughter, Amy. And she's like, hey, Mom. She said, um, I think I got stung by an insect, and um, my throat seems to be swelling a little bit. Do you, um, do you think I should go to the doctor? And I'm like, well, if your throat is swelling up, absolutely. <laughs> yes, go to the doctor. So we're at the top of Laurel Ridge, and she's in Waynesville. And I was like, Amy, do you want us to come? No, 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 I don't want you to come. I'll be okay. So I'm in the middle of telling Sam that this is going on, and then I get a text from Elise. And Elise lets me know that Matthew had a very difficult situation that happened in his family. Now, all of a sudden, in this high day, these two really difficult situations are happening. I got two of my kids that are needed. I'm just going to gloss over. So that later that week, or like in the next week, Grayson had his accident. Sam was in his time and season where Samuel was walking through things in his job. Grayson had his accident. And then the same week, Elise and Matthew get engaged. And I'm like, how do you walk in this place of heartache and difficulty and joy at the same time? You ever wonder that or figure that? Yeah? I mean, this our life is what? Well, James says this. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It goes on and talks about asking for wisdom in every situation. And, and what I begin to do is try to find this place of cultivating this place of peace and rest in his heart, no matter what the circumstances were on the outside. And to be able to rejoice with them while they were rejoicing, but at the same time, while one of my other children were going through a trial, to be able to, to be there and be present for them in the difficulty and the pain. Joy and sorrow sometimes happen the same time. But the thing is, it's not about like, okay, I'm just going to fake it till I make it. But if I, put my, if I put my gaze not on the circumstances, but on him going, Lord, I know you've promised every situation you've given me victory. I might have to search it out. I may not understand it, but I know that you're good, and I know you're going to bring this for me, and maybe it's about this present, this present situation, or maybe there's things you're doing, you're developing, you're cultivating in me that I'm not even going to know or see until another time. But I'm going to press in and give you thanks and praise you, not for the heartache, but knowing that you're with me and you're walking with me through. Okay, so this next thing I want to talk about is joy and peace. Look at Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Exactly. 
<laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. No matter what, to know he is here at hand, not needing to be anxious for anything, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guards your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Whatever is pure, true, noble, just, lovely, good report, any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I think a big key in being able to walk in the middle of painful places, finding joy, and then peace, is what is my framework in my mind? How am I looking at this situation? You know, we went through a, a season that um, it was so hard that I kept waiting for the hammer to fall again. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you're like, I don't even want to answer the phone. Like, it's almost like dread. And I, and I started going, what's the good news? <laughs> like, I need to know, what's the good news? <laughs> you know, even if it's a, well, we have electricity today. That is good news. We have our health today. That is good news. We, you know, it's like we have to cultivate looking for things to be thankful for and things to, you know, I have a God that even in the middle of this place, even when I don't understand, he's Emmanuel, God with me. He's here in the middle of this mess. Even if I created it, he loves me. He's not going to leave me. He promises to work it around for good. And so I can wait on him and trust in him and cultivate this place of rest and peace and even joy in the midst of the trial. Joy and peace. Joy and thanksgiving. Um, is it video clip? Is that queued up? I want you all to see this real quick. This is a little video clip by um, Brene Brown, who is a um, researcher. I think the relationship between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found, I found in the research. Um, I wasn't expecting it. Um, but what I found, you know, 12 years of research, um, 11,000 pieces of data, I, ha I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous who did not actively practice gratitude. Um, and for me, it was very counterintuitive because I kind of went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was if you're joyful, then you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. It was really that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is, this is the part that really changed my life, that changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals. Um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day, they said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do, like we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone in my family says something they're grateful for. I mean, and what's interesting is when we first started, I have um, a first grader, a first grade son, Charlie, and eighth grade daughter, Alan. And at first I thought, and we've been doing it for a couple of years now, like they were going like, oh God, mom. 
And if there was a little like, is this, you know, are you experimenting on us? There was a little bit of that. But now what's interesting, even after we did it for like a couple of weeks, that on those crazy busy nights where we're trying to like get to soccer and piano and homework, and Steve and I are just like, we say, we say a quick prayer and we start eating, and my kids are like, whoa, what are you grateful for? And it's been extraordinary because not only absolutely does it invite more joy into our house, um, it also is such a soulful window into what's going on in my kids' lives. You know, so there are some days where my eighth grader will be like, I'm joyful that there's a huge thick wall between my room and my brother's room. You know, something just very, you know, honest. But there are other days she'll say, you know, she had a friend whose mother recently died. Um, and she said, you know, for a month she would say, I'm just so grateful that y'all are healthy right now. You know, and so not only did it make us all more aware of what we had and more willing to slow down and really be thankful for the joyful moments we had, but it let me know where she was emotionally in her life. You know, and my son is, is always, you know, I'm grateful for bugs, I'm grateful for frogs, but sometimes he'll say, you know, I'm grateful that you picked me up early, or, you know, I'm grateful that I finally understand adjectives, <laughs> you know? So it's, there's a great quote um, that says, it's not, it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. And um, it's by a Jesuit brother, a Jesuit priest. And I guess I was just amazed to find that bubble up so strongly in the research. It's life-changing. So let's make a determination to take time and to be purpose, purposely thankful and to cultivate not just an attitude of gratitude, but like there is so much to be grateful and thankful for. Um, I want to also talk about joy and connection. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And you know, this morning I walked in, and I'm really excited to, to be here, and I, I um, went to someone I knew was hurting, and I just put my arm around them. Because we're family, and when they're hurting, I hurt. And then if I see someone that is getting honored, I want to rejoice and celebrate and not get tripped up because I'm not being seen, but to celebrate that they are because we're family. You know, um, when I consider my life, my closest, deepest relationships are those that stick with you, not just in the high places, but in the hard, difficult places. And you know what? We all have them, and we need them. And, and so I want to say, it's not like a put a happy face on, everything's good, church has done that. No, sometimes it's hard. We're hurting, and we need one another. And we need to have this place of connection, not trying to Christianize them and make them feel better. You know, that was already just, <laughs> but just to be present. Sometimes the best thing to do is not say anything, but just be. 
but also to be able to celebrate and rejoice when the rejoicing is happening. I want to just say something about this connection piece. When we were reading, you know, the Gospels, it says this is good news for all people. It's for everybody. This gospel, this good news, this great Emmanuel, God with us, that made a way that we could be in right connection with him. And um, we need people. None of us have it all together. But here's the thing. People, not so easy to get along with. All the time, right? Most people aren't like us. But I just want to say, with people, let's not be easily offended, quickly critical, judgmental. Let's sow into great, extreme, generous forgiveness and grace. If you want to cultivate joyfulness, look for a way to give to others. Look for ways to reach out. You know, in, instead of saying, what can I get? Where can your love go through me? You lose your life, you gain it. So joy and connection. And finally, joy and worship. I'll show you this last thing, Psalms 9. I'm keeping Julie on her toes. Psalms 9, 1 and 2. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. You know, sometimes uh, we can have our, our prayer list. I just want to encourage us, keep a journal, keep a list of thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for this. Oh, wow, look at this tree. Yesterday, thank you, God. I get to walk on the parkway when it's completely snow-covered. I'm the only one. Like, how awesome is that? It's like Narnia all to myself, and yet I knew he was with me. Like, it was the greatest thing. And then I'm up there on the parkway, and I drank lots of water and lots of coffee. And I all the way back, I'm like, thank you, God, for a bladder that works and kidneys and help me get home. <laughs> I had joy in that moment, too. I'm sure he was like, wait till she gets ready to come back home. I'm all the way back and all the neighbors are out. I'm like, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. <laughs> um, but to praise him with our whole heart, to tell of his marvelous works, if we just stop in any given moment, and it's like, let's go beyond Thanksgiving uh, on Thanksgiving. Let's cultivate having a grateful 
thankful heart. And what that does, it actually begins to create and change the atmosphere around us. It begins to draw others into this joy of the Lord. And um, 1 Peter 3.9 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, he's begotten us again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, fire may be found to praise and honor and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ, whoming, whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. One of the things that happens when we praise him in the middle of every situation Back in Psalm 9, verse 3, I love this. It says, um, when my enemies turn back, they fall and perish at your presence. When we begin to thank him and praise him, it says he inhabits what? The praises of his people. Can I borrow you, Matthew? Okay. Pay, pay close attention. Okay. You are, you are the enemy. You're after me. Okay, and so the enemy is coming, and he's starting to harass me. I begin to praise God. God, you are so awesome. I thank you. Torment me, man. You gave up. You gave up way too much. Come torment me. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Lord, I just give you praise and glory and honor. You are so good, and I thank you that you're here. See, what happens, the enemy's loving to, like, poke you and prick you and give you a hard time. But when you thank you, when you begin... <laughs> But when you get, begin to praise him and thank him, he inhabits the praises of you. And when the enemy, oh, uh-oh, presence of God, I'm out of here. That's what happens. And, and, and sometimes we can get so, come back up here, Matthew. Just poke me around a little bit. Ow, what's going on? Keep poking. God left me. Where, how could, I'll, I'll pretend to be married. Man, I'm pregnant. Joseph, what? What? Oh, wait, wait, Jesus. Oh, he's not born yet. <laughs> I praise you, God. You're worthy. <laughs> we'll practice this next time. <laughs> yeah. But the idea is, though, as we, as we begin to praise him and the presence of the Lord comes, then the enemy turns to flee. It changes the atmosphere. So, how about this? Let's make a decision for joy. You can decide to rejoice. You can cultivate joy even in the midst of great heartache and difficulty. You can delight yourself in him while he's bringing the transformation, while you're waiting, while you're waiting for the breakthrough, Decided I'm not going to waste this day. 
I think about how many days that I've been paralyzed by the circumstances and I can't get that time back. But to say, Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to make a decision for joy. What does that look like? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do good. I'm going to dwell in this land. I'm going to feed on your faithfulness. I'm going to delight myself in you. Knowing that you're going to bring about the desires, you're going to align my heart desire with your heart desire. I'm committing my way. I'm trusting in you. I know you're going to bring it to pass. So, Father, I thank you for the good news of great joy that is for everyone. That your son Jesus came to save us. We ask, Lord, you would help us to experience joy even alongside the pain that life can offer sometimes. And that we can respond to joy and worship. Draw us to yourself as we draw near to you. And let us be a source of joy to others in this season and every season. Lord, we want to be a people that rejoice in you always. And again, we say rejoice. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.